Welcome back to the team room, everybody. One's ready. You got Trent. You got Aaron here. Probably the biggest guest we've ever had on. Not big in stature, but probably the most important one that we've ever had. Another cold call that just worked out. Nick Kulamatsos, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Excellent. It was a great intro. You just said my name wrong, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I say Nick the Greek guy, because I don't know how to that's say really nice of you to say is my internet just completely froze, and uh, that's why the intro gets screwed up. And here we are. There we go. That's... That's what it was. It was it was a technical issue. Thank you. Uh, no, because... thanks, thanks for having me on, guys. It's an honor. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we really appreciate it. Why don't you tell everybody just a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I served from 2000 to 2012 with uh, the Marine Corps. Um, half of that was with uh, Marine Reconnaissance. The other half was with Marine Special Operations Command as a Marine Raider. Uh, I left that and navigated my transition, uh, both gracefully and horribly all at the same time <laughs> and, uh, became a serial entrepreneur. And then 10 years later, you know, managing a bunch of really awesome businesses, doing some really great things in the world and, uh, trying to change men's lives, man. One, one family at a time. That's what I do now. Absolutely. So your time in the Marines, you were with Force Recon before, and then you, you were lucky, some would say, to be there right at the beginning of the MARSOC teams. And, and something drew you to that yeah. assessment and selection as a cross trainee. You definitely didn't need to do it. You were already established in Force Recon. You could have just head down and, and pressed on. What was that impetus to get you onto those MARSOC teams right in the beginning? So it was, for, for my generation, it was, it was kind of interesting because I, I was with Second Force Reconnaissance. And then they needed a bunch of E5s to go out to Okinawa and be assistant team leaders and team leaders. So I went out there for three years. Well, the agreement was that I would come back to second force. And so when I did my, after my time, but, but we had just, we had just rolled up the flag of second force and became second, what is now second Raider battalion. And, um, and, be, and because of that, I, I came back, but it was now MARSOC. Um, but okay. they showed back up. And they had just, I think I went through maybe the second selection class. Um, so we had just started selection and they were like, and I was a staff and CEO and I just came back from being a platoon sergeant. And they're like, Nick, you got to go through selection. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Thanks for doing us a favor. Now go get your dick kicked in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was my initial reaction. My, my ego getting out, getting the best of me, but, um, as as most young men do that do that job right um but once i went through and i saw the process and once i went through and i saw who was getting selected and who was who was not getting selected and how they were running selection i was like oh wow this is this is like a very very good um process they have a really good product and they create a very good product so as a leader i immediately got the buy-in i was like okay this is a this is it's needed. There's a re, there's a reason for it, and um, and and then we went from there. I actually cadreed before I was uh, one class right before I got out, but just an amazing amazing process. But yeah, I had to go through selection again, and and very very happy that I did uh, in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> what lessons did you learn? Like uh, so, as you were going through selection, we all learn things about ourselves, right? And some of those things are are highly uncomfortable. What was kind of that first eye-opening moment in your selection process where you're like, oh, no, this is this is going to take my full measure to get through this thing? So I'll be 100% honest with you. I didn't take it so seriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is a uh, technique. 
so I mean, because what well, you understand, because I was there, um, because of I was a staff and CEO at the time, but by the time I went through, th- I had guys that were cadre that were on my that were junior guys that were like my slack men on my team as cadre as I was going through. I remember one time I pulled yeah. one over. I said, and I was like, I was like, I said, if you fuck with me on this event, when we get back, I'm locking you in a wall locker. <laughs> uh, um, everybody that's uh that's gonna go into selection for the air force i'm gonna listen that's a technique i don't suggest it you're not in the same <laughs> space the instructors no. are not your friend yeah so maybe 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 go a little bit softer maybe a little bit more nuanced um it was it was a very different process i mean i did keep being being a force recon marine i knew that like i knew that i you had one I know there was a long game to it, right? I had experience. I wasn't a young man, young kid going through this at the time. So I knew what was important. I knew when to ask questions, when not to ask questions. I had a lot more experience under my belt than than a lot of other people. The guys that were in my age bracket and my experience level, we all just absolutely crushed it. We got back before anybody did. We just, you know, I'm not saying that I was the best by no means, because I've got some people that, you know, I ran around with that were absolutely just savages um and but you know like you just right above the average level right and you just cruise the entire time um i trained really hard for it and so and that paid off because physically it wasn't it it's more of a mental like i have to do i'm gonna get wake up and get kicked in the dick for you know however many hours every day until this thing is over right And that's really what it comes down to is like having the understanding that, that you're going to go do this thing. It's going to suck. It eventually it's going to pass and it's going to end, but you got to wake up and lean into that, that suckiness every single day and be okay with that. Like be, and be happy with it. And, um, and yeah, so for, for me with my background, I saw people kind of mentally crumbling and I just kind of laughed. Matter of fact, (laughs) one of my superpowers is, when other people are super miserable, it gives me more strength. Oh, yes. it gives me power. God, from, you want to see it's me super, go. <laughs> it's super fucked up, right? Because like I see yeah. these people struggling and like they're just whimpering and they're like crumbling. <laughs> and when I see that, when I see that happen, it like it's like I'm drawing their energy off of them and it makes me go faster. And it's oh, you it get a piece of their power. soul. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah, it gives me David power. Goggins. Yeah. It's, you steal their. So you, it, God forbid, I would have people that would quit next to me. And for a second, you're like, oh, no, don't quit. And then you're like, wait, you quit and I didn't. I just took your power. Give me that. I'm going to need that later in this pool session. Yeah. yeah so the more that the more that people struggled, more that, that it, people struggled around me, just the better I got. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, I, this just like makes me think of we get a lot of questions about people about age and the, them not understanding that maybe being in your late 20s, early 30s can be an advantage in a lot of ways. Um, But also I want to go back real quick for, I think most of our audience is trying to join the air force and understanding what a staff NCO is and, and kind of understanding where you were in your career during that time. So like the Marine Corps is a little bit different than the air force. They actually take NCO seriously. And especially once you become a staff NCO, everybody actually has to call you staff sergeant and not just like, Hey bro, dude, what's up. Uh, So can you explain like kind of how the Marine Corps works through that process and then also uh, touch on the age thing? Yeah. So, um, the NCO thing, when you become a, a an E4 in the Marine Corps, 
you are a non-commissioned officer. That really, that really is, the, it's like the lowest level, but the Marine Corps looks at you as a, a pretty significant leader. Like you are there, and I don't know the exact percentages, but it's something like 70 something percent of the Marine Corps is E3 and below. Dang. If that gives, if that gives you like a mental, you know, where the pyramid is, it's a, it's a very heavy on the bottom side. Right. So Jeez. you become a, you become an E4. Now you're like, okay, I'm a junior, I'm a basically a junior NCO and I'm, I'm leading Marines. And then you become a sergeant and like, that's pr- like sergeants really, I mean, they run the Marine Corps. Right. Like, like you're talking about directly to the men. Like that's, that's who's running the Marine Corps, especially if you look at the Marine Corps as a, as a conventional force. And then when you become a staff NCO, you become a staff sergeant above. That's really when you're, you're, you're not just leading a school, like you're leading platoons to company size of men. Like a staff and CO in the Marine Corps is like dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. That's the best yeah. way that I can explain that's it. it. Like that's that, yep. you know, a sergeant or a corporal's maybe like the grumpy older brother that you have to listen to <laughs> that will beat your yeah. ass if you don't, you know what I mean? Right. Yep. Um, help you that kind of give you an idea of, of what that looks like. Um, I think I had been in six years by the time I six, seven years by the time I get, I got promoted to uh staff sergeant so that I was, um, so what was I 19? So 25, right. 25 years old, 25, 26, something like that. And, um, yeah. So you got to think guys are coming in at 18 and they have a 25 year old, like you're, and you've got a lot of experience and in my time, a lot of combat experience. Um, so yeah, you're the dude. It's, it's wild to look back at yourself as like a 20, a mid twenties guy and like, understand like how you viewed yourself and your, your reputation within this community, you know, and, and all these young guys telling you things yeah. like, and now I'm like, you know, I'm 40 years old. I look back and I'm like, he, I was a baby. I was a baby <laughs> was making idiot. like grown up decisions I was yeah, thinking that I was, you know, like a, so it's, it's crazy. Yeah. You know what life I hated the life worst? Or death situations and multi-million dollars and potentially create national <laughs> incidents and you're you're 24 years old. <laughs> yeah. And you and the military also wouldn't let you have a stove in your dorm room. You could be a 24-year-old leader of a of a fire team and they'll be like, "Yeah, but you can't have a toaster inside the barracks." I That's hated when people would that's too much. I hated when people would tell me, you know, I, I look back when I was 25 years old, my brain was barely fully formed. And I'd have 40 year olds that would be like, you know, Aaron, you don't really understand stuff. And, I, you know, and I'd be like, fuck you. I'm a grown man. What I had kids at that point, you know, whatever. I look back now and I was like, oh, my God, I was an idiot. They were right. Because I look at 25 year olds today and I go, wow, how, how do you even tie? Your, you do need oversight. You do need guidance. You do need mentorship. Mm-hmm. And then it forces me to look inward. And then that makes me feel bad. So I don't do that a whole lot, you know? Yeah, I mean, like going back now, I mean, I'm about about to turn 41. Looking back at it now, I'm like, I, there was so much I just didn't know about leadership. As good as I was, holy shit, man, the last 10 years of personal development. I mean, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaching and personal development, hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of dollars, you know, to get to where I am today. Man, to have that kind of power in the military, one, it probably wouldn't do so well because... <laughs> You're, you'd be, you're, you're so evolved that, you know, somebody comes down and says something and you're like, actually, you're extremely inaccurate and uh, <laughs> I wouldn't vote well for you as well. Um, Listen here, Gunny. But yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, you know, you're having to give the general leadership, you know, leadership advice on how to, how to lead Marine, um, men anyways, but yeah. So how old were you? Oh yeah. No, you, you tell people you read the 48 laws of power. They don't trust you anymore. Um, (laughs) how old were you when, uh, you went through the, um, the reconnaissance, uh, selection course or, or training? Uh, I'm I'm looking for the difference between the, the two different, you know, selections at, at one age versus the other. Let's see, it would have been 20. Okay. So I was 22. So I was 22 so, when I went through, I, I had to have been 22 when I went through um, amphibious reconnaissance school. So w- was there like a big difference in the way you prepared for that versus, you know, like when you, when you went over to Marsoc? So obviously like you understood the game a little bit better and I'm assuming being a little so, bit older. Yeah. I didn't know anything about recon really uh, when I went into it and, um, you know, I was just like, I come from, you know, you guys, you, you know, like the nineties was, it wasn't functional fitness. It was go to the gym and get yeah. jacked. 100%. Yeah. 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 Jack Steel, right? Right? Bicep, get bigger. <laughs> yeah, Strength bicep. is function. Is it not? <laughs> it is a function. It is a <laughs> core you. function. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, eating tuna fish out of cans and, um, and, uh, and Jack and still. So, that's pretty much all I did. And as far as the running I did, it was just like whatever running the military said that I needed, I had to do, you know what I mean? Other than yeah. that, there was no really other, you know, so I went there very strong. I went there decently physically fit, definitely not running capability. Like they ran, they ran my dick into the dirt. I mean, I ran <laughs> when I went to rip, so RIP is was Recon Indoctrination Platoon. They don't have it anymore. Now it's like pre, kind of like what you guys have. It's like a pre-BRC uh, or, you know, Recon Marines awaiting training. And then they have like RTP, Recon Training Platoon. So yeah. it's like, the and, the, and and what's sad is, and we can get in this to a little bit later, What the reason for that is because there's so many unqualified young men physically that they're now having to create pre-things Seals or had seals had to do it as well because yep. guys are not physically capable of completing the course at the at the current standards. So, anyways, so in my day, we went through a unit level recon indoctrination platoon, which was like a three month course before the three month course. In my opinion, back then was worse because it wasn't really regulated. <laughs> There's less oversight, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, than than the actual course. But anyways, I show up really early. Me and my friend Dan knew. Um, we show up early and they just I mean, they ran us so bad that I had I like couldn't shit solid for like weeks. It was just <laughs> I would just ran until I had diarrhea. Uh like literally ran me shitty. And uh but I and then and then the class picked up and we started that that hazing process. And then once I went through Imperius Reconnaissance School, honestly, it was not as hard as RIP. I was like, it's not that bad, you know what I mean? Comparatively, um, sure. don't get me wrong, it was it was extremely difficult. But yeah, my my I didn't really know about functional training. I didn't know about you know, I didn't have any sort of orienteering land nav experience. I was I was naturally really good in the water. Um, because I grew up in Florida, so I was real comfortable in the water, but I had no, like, I didn't know how to swim like stroke wise, you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. so it was, it, that, that coming in was difficult. It was, it was hard, man. Not no lie. It was hard. Um, 
but then, you know, you get into recon and you become a diver and you run, you run pre-dive things. And matter of fact, I had a bunch, when you guys got kicked out of the army school, you guys came over to our school. So I went through school with hey, a bunch of you hey, guys. You, you couldn't kick us out. We chose to leave. First of all, right. like on back. Sure. Sure. <laughs> You're fired. Now you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> um, but so anyways, that, you know, like once you go, once you have those experiences, you go to combat, all that stuff there, you know, it's just a different level of experience. You know exactly what to do. So I was actually doing a lot more orienteering, a lot more rucking, um, you know, not so much focused on gym stuff as I am, uh, as I was like pull-ups, push-ups, calisthenics being more like that. Um, still did barbell stuff because you got to have that strength. And, uh, but yeah, I was just much more, you know, I was in the job. Yep. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I, and I want to talk a little bit about that. So you, you had the the distinct benefit of going down range, you know, after you get through your second selection there and what it sounds like you just big dick all the instructors. So that's, you know, the best way to go through. Not all of them. Just not all. (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on. Not all of them. Just my, just the guy who was was our, our junior. He was a, he was our junior guy on our team and just happened to be an instructor. (laughs) Fair enough. I'll I'll, I'll own that one. My bad. Um, but then you had the ability to, uh, to kind of go down range. Is this pre, was this around 2010? I think I've heard you talk about it before, like 2010 area. No, we went, uh, we went earlier this, uh, I took selection in 07, I believe I came back from Oki in 07 and then, and then I think we left in 08. Um, yeah. And then back in 2010 or 11, something like that. I was there every year until 2013. Not in one deployment, but like there wasn't a year I missed Afghanistan after once I went to Marstock. Yeah, I had the same sort of experience when I, I was stationed in Vegas out of the 58th. And w- for whatever mm-hmm. reason, we were the Christmas troop, like clockwork. Every single year from, you know, a little bit before Christmas until a couple months after Christmas, we were getting ready and going. It was it was every single year for, for a little bit. So those deployments, you always learn lessons, right? You learn lessons about yourself, yeah. your preparation. You look back at, at A&S and you look back at your selection and you're like, oh, wow this is what I was meant to learn. Do you have any of those distinct memories from those deployments of being like, Oh, this, this is why people care about how I tape my gear. This is why people care about if I'm on time. Um, yeah, actually it, but it doesn't go into that. It goes into, um, actually goes back to way back to Iraq, uh, before going, before coming back to second force or going to, to selection again. Um, we were, I was a, I was a force platoon um with force and then we went to i went to third recon battalion out in okinawa and we we went on a mew and was a force platoon there well we we entered iraq under the we were the most senior team and we entered iraq thinking that we would be more of a like a force platoon there more of a direct action asset and it was you know you guys know that you guys have the experience you know the deal you just play whack-a-mole and nothing really changes you get bad intel yeah. you go do this thing he's already gone you know it's just so fluid so after a bunch of that we were just like this is shitty and uh we're not really changing the battle space right so we took a hard pivot and went back to like old school rns and asymmetrical warfare and the, and over the the last i mean last four four and a half five months of the deployment we just did nothing but asymmetrical warfare and we smoked so many dudes and that like one area used to have like 30 IEDs a week and they went to zero 
Wow. Zero. And it was all old school R&S and working with people in the village and communicating and doing hide sites and, and just really, really talking to people and, and doing the, the slow, hard, boring work, the non-sexy work that really, I, I, it made me think, oh, this is how you get shit done in, in this type of environment. This is how you want to affect the battle space. This is, you have to work the people. Um, it's not all about kicking doors down. It's more of a, you know, instead of a hammer, it's a, it's a, it's a scalpel. And, um, yeah. so when I went to, when I went to Marsoc, I had that mentality in my head already, right? The, the mentality for me was I realized that, you know, just playing whack-a-mole doesn't get the job done. If you really want to change the environment, you have to do the asymmetrical work. And so I blended in really quickly to the special operations kind of mindset because of that. Some guys didn't because they just wanted to be door kickers, you know, they just, sure. which is cool. Like there's a place for that, right? There's, there's some very high level places for that as well, you know, low level and high level. But I just realized for myself where my mind was going, what, you know, what made the, the impact and what I wanted to do with my career was much more on the surgical side than it was the, you know, the hammer side. And yeah, it's uh, return on investment, man. Like, you yeah, know, just like you were saying, you can go and you you can go. I, I had brothers that worked in, you know, younger brothers of mine that worked, you know, infantry in the army going door to door in Tikrit 2006 to 2008. Let me yeah. tell you, they never stopped taking IEDs. That's not how you do it. Right. You know, it, it's a weird it's just, thing. But, you know, when you, when you start doing things the right way and all of a sudden the base where you live is starting to take less incoming daily, that's an actual return on your investment. Yes. You know, going to zero yeah. IEDs. Holy shit. What a, what a return on the investment. That's what soft yeah. is supposed to do. Yeah. And uh, so when I brought, when I kind of came over, I'd already adapted that. So I, I kind of threw myself all into it. So going in Afghanistan, I looked at it the same way. We just, we, we looked at it <coughs> our same way. I like heavily on Intel, heavily on the players and in the, in the, in who was playing in the environment, knowing that we're a small team. We're not playing whack-a-mole. We're not moving. We're not doing a movement to contact. No we're patrols to contact. Brain. I was, yeah, I was yeah. just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, we're just you. We're we're here to use our brains. You know what I mean. Now there, you know, we had, I had a, I had a, you know, an officer type that wanted to be Captain America and you know take ten guys and do mo movement of contact in the middle of nowhere. Didn't go over very well, but nonetheless, you know, you, tradition, you, have, though. you have to have that guy. You have so, to have that guy. Jesus, yeah. why? Why though? Why do we have to have that guy? <laughs> it's tradition. Why? I don't know why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, why do we do the things we do? But nonetheless, you know, going into it after the fact of, of having that experience kind of changed the way that I saw things and then changed the way that I was going to operate. And then we got into heavily into the uh, village stability operations in Afghanistan, which plays right into that. Right. Um, and actually had a lot of you guys support us up uh, in Afghanistan. Um, well, you guys wouldn't stay too long because it was too rough. So you just kind of come in, <laughs> live that life and then bail out back to your nice Nice, your nice pads, but <laughs> you, do you think you're going to make yeah, me feel bad I mean, about you, that? Those rooms were super cold. There was great food. You guys were all like, "What? What is this? A truck? Did you dig a hole to sleep in? What is this? How do you live like this?" <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that's to answer your, to answer your question in a long way. It really kind of that lessons were learned early on in the in the wars, um, and and then they kind of that that kind of gave me the experience to kind of go forward in my career. Yeah. 
And then you you use all these lessons. We always we we get this big bag of tricks together, and we get our toolbox together, and, and we we get all these things. Um, as you go through your career, you know you found it was time to to walk away from the Marines and walk away from Marsoc, and kind of you know in the middle and leading up to that, you've been very open about your your struggles, and you know, and now I mm-hmm. can say your triumph with with your own mental health. Um, you know, through that process, you you pro- you learn more lessons as you go, right? And and right. you try to use some of those tools that you got from from Marsoc and from doing hard things, and you know. To, to kind of transition into, you know, getting out of the Marines and, and, and into what you're doing now, like you had to have that extremely hard process of, of those struggles with mental health. Like what, what did you learn from the military and from soft specifically that, that got you through those times or, or maybe even on the flip side kind of led to some of those hard times? I would say, I'll say this, like, let me back up before, like people go like, how do you get out of 12 years like you got only eight years left. I'm like, okay, go do eight years in prison or go stand on your get head out of eight here. Years. Get yeah, out of it's here. A, right. Eight years in my life now, it goes by the blink of an eye. Eight years 100%. doing that job, that's a different, that's a different world. Um, so I did a very I you don't know if you could call it honorable or like the the gym, like what operators typically do. I never took a I never took a break and went to a schoolhouse and did a school billet. So from 2000, well I guess from 2001 since the war kicked off until 2012 when I got out, I was in an operational capacity the entire time. Why is that? Well, you know, you yeah. guys you want to stay relevant, you know, you want to stay relevant, you want to do your job, you want to, you know, if you're a football player, you don't want to sit on the bench, you want to play the game. No. You want to go compete. You want to go win. Yep. You want to go make a difference. Exactly. And yep. you can't stop it. It's it's a yep. drug, man. Now, w- if I would have had a good a, a good leader, um, I worked for. I did a podcast with he, he was Master Gunner Sergeant Master Gunner Sergeant uh, Gun Stuber. I worked for him out in Oki, and then he came to the command, but I didn't work for him. If I would have had somebody like that, that would have set me down and said, Nick, listen, you got a family, you got kids. I'm putting mm-hmm. you on a break. You can hate me. You can call me a motherfucker, even though we're <laughs> friends. You can you can call me all the names you're doing, but I'm doing this for you. But you're so taking you a knee, can get, right? That so you can take a forceful knee, go get some of your body worked on because I'm sure you're broken and lying about it, like we all do, right? Yep. Go, take a knee. Go get some normality in your life. Go get a you know, it's a nine to five. Now you can have weekends with your family. You can kind of have a normal life for a few a couple years. I probably would have possibly stayed in but because i didn't and i just went like uh you know 300 miles an hour for 12 years man i was just that i was turning into the and we all know him the grumpy senior dude you know the guy that just like fuck you fuck you fuck this (laughs) fuck everybody yep you know what i mean and like I was losing, I was, I, I had, no, I had lost a sense of my humanity. So there's a couple things at play here. One, very angry human being, zero empathy, um, did not look at humans the same way that I do now. Um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, just very callous and cold and angry person. And I saw myself heading down more of that road, not to mention. So that's that. On a, and, next, and next to that, 
be, even though you're in special operations, even though you're in the military, you're at the, you know, the best of the best of, you know, and it really is. I mean, was it 0.4% uh, joined the military and then one, per, like less than 1% of them uh, joined, you know, some sort of special operations. So you really are a very unique American, right? Like let's hand it to these people that do this job. They are a very unique top of the line, like model of a, of an American. Um, so I did not like that there was still a system that my, my personal development and my professional growth was hampered by this system. Mm -hmm. No matter how much I grew, no matter how hard I worked, no matter how much I gave a shit, it didn't mean that I was going to get promoted. It did not mean that I was going to move up. I, I nope. was, I was a cog in a wheel. And I was ready at that at 12 years, I was ready for my output, what I give, what I give, what I do, what I learn and what I can provide value to be compensated both in, you know, status, life, whatever, yeah. not just necessarily yeah. monetarily, but comp, you know, my return of investment for my effort. And yeah. you guys know as well as I do, you can do the bare minimum, you can do the bare minimum. And still move up, move up the ladder. Still get promoted, baby. It's a war of attrition. Yeah. I had a, I had a senior guy. I mean, he's, you want to call him senior. We were in the same time. He just did the bare minimum. Um, he told me, he said, you know what your problem, Nick, is you care too much. He goes, look at me. He goes, what a, what a, what a thing to say. He goes, that's, he's like, honestly, and he, he wasn't wrong. He's sure. not wrong. He goes, look at me, man. I just, I do what I need to do and things work out for me. He's like, you work too hard. You care too much. And I said, and that was one of the, I mean, there's a lot of signs, but that was the, a big one for me that I was like, this isn't the place for me anymore. Yeah. And that was, that was the, that was when I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to exit. Well, you're, you're in a very personal business, but the yes. military is a very impersonal bureaucracy. Right. Yeah. And so that's when you great way to try, that's a great way to put that, like that job, our job in the military is a very personal job. Right. It's intimate. You, you, you make but, intimate connections with dudes. Yeah. You love other people. Like you really, I have love in my, I, I don't, man, I get off the phone with my friends that I've made through this job and I don't say goodbye. I say, I love you. I tell my friends, yeah, I miss you. Absolutely. Like if love you, man, like, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody. Like when I saw, you know, Trent and I just got back from shot show. I don't know how many of my friends I just openly hugged and it wasn't like the bro, I'm going to shake your hand first. No, it was come here. Give me a, give me a hug, dude. Like I yeah. haven't seen you. Like I get it. Yeah. But, but you're yeah. right. The military is just, it's a machine that doesn't care about you. Yeah. Well, and, and it's difficult. And I think that that leads to some of those like mental, uh, you know, you're, you're disassociated from, reality right like you're part of this giant bureaucracy that doesn't care about you but you're part of this team where you make the difference between life and death and you're expected to make all these decisions and then you come back home to your family you know like it's just all these things are so weird you know like so like i can't imagine uh people not getting affected mentally yeah by these these environments that they're thrown into back to back to back right like you're not going on a ship necessarily like world war ii and spending months coming back across the atlantic with all the guys that went through the similar experiences, like you get on a plane and it's like, okay, you're home. Go, go hang out with your family. Also, you didn't get promoted. And you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you, you know, I, I distinctly remember we had a mission that popped off. We turned over and then I was in Germany, like less than like, I don't know, 72 hours later. And then no kidding, I got home and it was like the first thing that they did. They're in processing. They're like, hey, you're also red on all your IMR. So before we can give you leave, like you got to go like see the doc and do this CBT and stuff. I'm like, dude, 96 hours or 108 hours ago or something. I was no kidding getting off of a helicopter on my last mission in Wagner. Yeah. And now here I am in Las Vegas and you're telling me that I need to go do admin work. Like it was the most surreal thing of all time. Like there was just, n there was no way to wrap your head around it. So, so Nick, like when, how did you get back to who you are after all that? You know what I mean? Like, I know it's been a long process, but like, where did you feel like it broke? And then like, what was the first step in realizing that you needed to reconnect with the, the person that you used to be with, you know, people and, and developing that healthy relationship with, you know, the actual world again. So I'm going to, I'm going to try. I know what you're trying to say, but I'm going to correct you on some one thing. Yeah, that's fine. There is no going back to the person that you were. Right. Th that like, cause now you're talking about an 18 year old. Like there's no, there's no going back and like becoming you again, where I think that's where people kind of get like mentally, they get, they get hung up. It's not about, it's not about becoming who you were or becoming me again. It's becoming you and a different version of you, a, a version 2.0 or 3.0 of you, right. you know, that's, and, and that's almost more scarier because that's like, oh, I have to create this whole new person. With all this trauma, you're starting yeah. behind the eight ball. You're like, I have to create <laughs> out of this crumbled piece of human. Like, I, I, I just can't reflect what you said enough. Like, you feel differently about humans. When you get back from that first deployment or, or whatever, you feel differently about the humans ar around you and humanity in general. And to try to build something out of those broken pieces, like, that's, that's unreal. It's a, it's a Herculean task. So you don't know that you're broken. First of all, typically those don't know that you don't know that there's something wrong. Well, you know, there's, there's something's, you know, you're unhappy, but you don't know that there's actually a, you're the problem. <laughs> Most of the time, everybody <laughs> else is the problem. They're like, Oh, my life sucks. My wife and kids suck. My job sucks. No, dude, I hate to break it to you, Holmes, but you, you're the one that sucks. <laughs> um, so the issue becomes this. And if you want to talk specifically in special operations, the issue is this. What you do, and this is never a good idea because you should never attach what you do to who you are. But what you do in that job is also who you are. It's the neighborhood that you, that you live in. It is the schools that your kids go to. It is where you hang out. It is the clothes that you wear down to your shoes, down to your belt, down to your t-shirts, your hairstyle. It is, it is it, the things that you consume, the drink that you consume, the, the, t the television that you consume. I mean, it is, it is who you are. And we get told you're this thing for life, especially in the Marine Corps. You're, you, there's never, always a, there's Marine, never a former right? Marine, right? You're once yep. a Marine, always a Marine. And then they have this thing in Marsoc where you're like, Marsoc for life. Hate to break it to you. It's all a lie. When, when the door shuts, the door shuts, and you are on your own. And I think that's the biggest thing is what happens is, guys, you remove all the trauma. Remove post-traumatic stress. Remove trauma. Remove experiences. 
remove all this, you know, the, the traumatic brain injuries, physical injuries, whatever it is, remove that. And you take it all the way down to just a dude that has nothing really wrong with him. He has, he goes through an identity crisis. This is literally no difference than the kid who's been playing peewee football, played middle school football, uh, or elementary, middle school, high school, college, went to the NFL, blows his knee out at 23. All that kid knows is football. And they go, you're never going to play football again. What do you think that guy's going to do? Just spiral. Most of the time. Just Bottle, spiral. drugs, women, go yep. right down the hole, depression. Yep. Why? Nothing really happened to him other than an injury. But he doesn't know who you he is. If he can't play football, he can't. Yeah. You took yeah, away his it's purpose. His right. It's his purpose. If I'm if if I'm a Marine Raider, but all of a sudden I'm not anymore. I'm not a recon Marine. I'm not a Marine Raider. Then who the fuck is Nick? Don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And that's and you're like, what do I do? What do I do with my time? I don't know. And now and then now you compound, you compound all the other issues, right? Maybe you do have a traumatic brain injury. Maybe you are dealing with low testosterone. Your endocrine system is shot. Your pituitary gland is shot, right? You're depressed. Yep. Now you're now you now you put in depression. Now you have, you know, you're you're having physical issues and you're starting to gain weight and you're not living with you're not living by all the things that you were to before. You don't even have a you don't have a mission. You don't have a fucking mission. So we yeah. self sabotage. You st- and you also have civilians. Everybody that finds out what you did in the military, all those expectations are still there for you to be yep. a a certain kind of person while you're still trying to, you're trying to rediscover who you actually are. And they find out you are a Marsoc dude or force recon guy. And they're like, Oh, like you must be fantastic at everything. Yeah, like yeah. nothing affects you. And you're like, I don't Meanwhile, I'm, I'm like, I'm no. over here crying. I'm like crying myself to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, but, the last thing I want to do is talk about this. And it's all anybody ever wants to talk yep. about people. You know, I, I ran into a good friend this week and he was like, Oh man, back when we were really young PJs you used to tell people you just work for like a phone company. I'm like, yeah, because I don't want to have to talk about being a PJ for six hours when I'm just trying to chill out at the bar, man. Like, can, yeah. can we just take a break? Can we just take a, a couple seconds? So, um, I don't know if you guys have picked up. I wrote, I wrote a book about all of this. I don't know if you guys have picked that up. Um, highly recommend it. If you are exiting or if any, anything, if you're, any, any transition in life, you, you'll resonate with it, but because we all have them, you live long enough, you're going to have a couple different chapters in your life that need to get, you're going to have to turn the page and create an, and create the new chapter. Um, so when I got out, I got a job doing the same, doing almost doing the same shit, just making three times as much money. Like we all do. Right. Yep, and, um, yeah. And then when I got done with that job, I started, I started a, a, a training consulting company doing the same shit. I just thought I could do it for myself, but I was the whole time, man, I'm just, I'm a wreck. I'm a, I'm absolutely a wreck. And it took me three or four years to really get my shit together and get an ownership of what I was doing. I mean, almost to the point, like on the podcast with John, uh, you know, I, I, I was not expecting him to ask that question, by the way, Aaron. I don't know if you can tell it like hit me. <laughs> I, he was dude, like, Oh, yeah. we're doing this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, just, uh, to his credit, man, he just jumped in both feet and, and so did you, but that was like, I was telling you before we got on, man, that was one of those, one of those things that you said that I thought, no kidding, that I was the only person that thought those things inside of my head and to hear you and John yeah. expound and dive into it and for you to continue to talk and just live in that uncomfortable place, which you talk about frequently with your 5am ice baths and with the things that you yeah. do, like 
you have to be uncomfortable. I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't put it out there. Nick's book is called Excommunicate Warrior. You can find it on nickkulamatsos.com. We'll add it to our reading list as well on our page. So you can find that out and, and we'll link it here in the comments. But I wanted to get that out there. Um, and uh, appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Of so course. yeah, it led me, it led me all the way down to, you know, basically an incident on the beach where I was, I, I had planned to, you know, take my own life. And, uh, and not because you know, I wanted to d- die. Like, let's get like, and I think I talked about that on the pa- podcast and I say it in the book. It's not because I don't really think people that commit suicide want to die. I think they're in so much pain. They're so, they're so mentally exhausted. They just want to time out. They want a break. They want the, they want the depression, the pain, everything they're dealing with. It's just a break, like a, like a pause. But unfortunately that's like a, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I think that's you catch an individual in a very dark spot where they just want the pain to stop for a second. So they make that they make that choice. The problem is that pain doesn't stop. That pain is transferred to another to the loved ones. It never that energy never is released until it's been dealt with. So all you're doing is copping out and then passing that pain to someone else that they now have to deal with and process, which is super fucking selfish. Yeah. You know, so. um Anyways, so, you know, I, I, it takes me, it takes me some time, but what I did was, and what people don't do and is you don't do the hard work. And for me, fortunate enough for me, as the universe provided, I got some really, really great people in my life who really cared about me and cared about people in general. And they held me, they, they didn't tell me that I, what I wanted to hear. They told me what I needed to hear, okay. But I also, because of my background, now don't get me wrong. I'm not sound. I'm not going to say. I'm not standing here and say I didn't do anything wrong. I fucked up for a long time. But what I did do is I remembered who the fuck I was and what I had in the tank. And I had a. I had a. I had a real get go went viral. And if you read the comments, oh my god, they ripped me apart. Oh, but God, I said, I don't understand. I'm, I'm sure those people understand you and gave you some good input there. Did you internalize yeah. those comments at all, Nick? No, no, love, no. Love I, 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 I like feed, I feed it. I'm like, nice. I, I, yeah. I like poke, I poke the bear when they, when they start, uh, I'm like, yes, yes. Samesies. Feed the Samesies. fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm a little more evolved now, so I don't really, it doesn't, they're not, you're, you're not going to hurt my feelings on the internet. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? Right. <laughs> Can, there's no such thing as internet bullying. Watch this. Close the screen. Boom. Bully goes away. <laughs> Magic. Crazy. Go back to the 80s or 90s when bullies were in your face. That was that's a different story. Yeah, you might actually have to fight at that point. What was the real about? What uh, and what what were the uh, comments? So, so what it was was this, and I can send it to you, and 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 you'll love it. And if you share it, you know, you'll get a ton of comments. People will just, it'll just like flood the whole comment section. I'll, I'll post it right now. I don't care. Let's go. So basically <laughs> what I said was, I don't understand. And it, it, this was an excerpt of a 10 minute video of me talking about disabled veterans. Sure. Okay. And I, and the, the point, the video is being a disabled veteran is not a job. Right. Yeah. You can be disabled. That's fine. You can be 100% permanent total disabled. That's not a fucking job. And my point is these guys that do this and they go sit on their ass and they're like, well, I'm disabled. No, dude, you get a paycheck from the, you get a check from the VA. That's not your fucking job. You need to go get a job because what happens to those individuals is they, they get fat, they get depressed. 
They're fucking sitting in their house, jacking off the porn all day. They have nothing going on. They wonder why their life and they're why they're, they wonder why they're like miserable. Right. So what I said was, I don't understand the dysfunctional veteran. I don't understand this, this whole dysfunctional veteran label that people almost wear like a badge of honor. Like this is not the end all be all. We're, so you can tell me, this is what I said. You tell me, you go down range, you take the fight to the enemy. You're a fucking badass warrior. You tell everybody how much of a badass you are. And then you turn around, you come back home and civilian life is your kryptonite. That's what gets you being fucking Dude, yeah. being in America as a civilian. That's what fucking, that's where you lose. Come on, dude. I'm not buying <laughs> anything. What's I have seen that real. That is I saw I saw that reel and I didn't even react to it. I was like, no, that's right. And I just went on with life. It wasn't even that hot of a take <laughs> yeah. to me. I was just like, well, yeah, no, that's not it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What kind of stuff? You know, it's, I always try to explain to people too, like the whole internet thing is so freaking weird. Like you're telling me you want to be this super powerful, badass MF. And then like you go on an anonymous account and you troll other people like mil bro <laughs> mil vets with, with, you know, whatever, like get out of here. Like what, do, what are we doing here? So, um, Man, I I find that utterly hilarious. But it it's also true. If those people were still in, if they had those personalities, you know, okay, well, I'm just going to sit around and I'm going to go to the doctor every single day and I'm not really going to put my fit. You'd be like, you're malingering. The military would actually punish you. So on right. one hand, you're saying, on one hand, you're saying, oh, well, I'm a disabled military veteran. I can't do anything. And I'm now essentially a ward of the state getting a check from the DOD. But on mm-hmm. the other hand, you're like, I have all these experiences. The person that you, you know, the person that you were when you, we're in would 100% bully the person who you are now for saying these exact things. You, yeah. you call yourself a pussy. 100%. You, you and your like other friends in the team room. Exactly. You'd be yeah. like, look how fat this guy got. He got injured one time. He sees the doctor five times a week. He doesn't do anything to fix his stuff. He just complains. Yeah. You'd be like, you're not allowed in the team room. Get out of here. Yeah. So, and so the comments are like this. They're like, this guy must be a pogue or this guy was, this guy doesn't understand what he's talking about. Bad take. Like he doesn't know. And I, so I just go, I'm like, great. You might want to Google. You might want to Google me, motherfucker. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like Google bitch. Like use a fantastic thing. What they've never been in a team room, obviously, because guys that have been shot or injured before in the past, like all we do is make fun of them. Like, yes. Oh, oh my God. I got shot in the ankle 15 years ago. I have friends with one leg that I make fun of. Right. You have to. It's it's good for them. <laughs> um, but that was my take is like, I've got friends that like these guys that are like, yes, I psychological trauma is real. All right. That's a real thing. Yeah. It is not a scapegoat to not, not pr- proceed in life to not do the work. All right. My point of that whole thing is I've got pe- my guys are like, well, my shoulder and back hurt and I have, I take on tramadol and I've taken, so I'm done. I'm like, dude, there's dudes with no legs and no arms that are making fucking a million dollars a year that are vets. Yeah. Like I, what they're, they're disabled. Being disabled is not their job. They have created businesses. They go and speak, they go do all these amazing things. And you're like, well, that's not me. I can't do that. Yeah. You, 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 you're right. You can't, you don't have to, you don't have to do it in a wheelchair. You can actually walk on stage. Fucker. (laughs) Like, well, that, what? Well, that's a great transition to where you are now is you saw a space for people to make, hey, here's some real talk. Like, I'm going to provide you some coaching. And you kind of alluded to it earlier, but you saw a space. Go ahead. Here's the here's the reason why. And I'll, and I'll, I'll use that as a transition, Aaron, is when I first started helping people because of where I was at personally, I was super empathetic. Okay. So like 
I, cause, because I felt it because I felt their pain and because I felt my own pain, I was like, you know, they're like, Oh man, I'm depressed and this sucks. I'm like, Oh yeah. And you know, like pet their head. I'm like, Oh God, it does suck, man. I'm so sorry. And you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, you know, sort of thing. And, and, and I was super empathetic, but it was it that empathy. And, and I'm not saying that empathy isn't a, isn't a good thing. It's okay to be empathetic. Uh, Brene Brown has this great cartoon. Um, I think it's on uh, it's like a TED talk thing. It's a cartoon though with a bear and a deer and everything. And she's, ta- she's talking about the, and you guys can look it up. Uh, it's it, the difference between sympathy and empathy. It's, a, it's like a three minute cartoon. And she taught, and when I first watched it, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. You know, and I, initially I, fir- I did agree with it for years and it was basically like getting down in the hole with them. Like somebody's mm-hmm. down in a dark hole. So you want it. So what they need is they need to get, they, she, her point is like sympathy is on the top going, Oh, it sucks down there. Sorry about your luck. You want a sandwich, you know, <laughs> versus right. going down in the hole and then really being empathetic and like understanding where they're at, why they're down there giving them a hug, turn the light on sort of thing. And like really kind of connecting with them. Like that's a good lesson there. Here's the problem with it specifically with veterans or anybody that deals with that. You do that. It's like a drug to them. It gives them a dopamine response to where now to where now they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Pet me more, pet me more, you know? Yep. And you know what I saw? No progress. So for years I'm doing this with veterans and I, what they weren't making progress. You know when I started? You know when I started making progress? When one of my mentors said I was dealing with all this, and he goes, "Okay, so what are you doing? What's your routine like? What's your life like? Okay, so how's that working out for you? Is that changing anything? Wow. <laughs> so maybe fucking do something. And if it, you want and empathy, the light get a on. dog. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You want empathy? Get a dog. I'm not. I'm empathy, not going to be that anymore. No. So what I so I stopped doing that. Well, it wasn't like a light switch. It it slowly became more about action. Action alleviates depression. Action alleviates anxiety, right? Action, action, action. That is what changes things. You're depressed, you're you you you're anxious, you're fat. Change your environment. Change who you're talking to. Change the things that you're listening to. Get outside. Change your routine. So I stopped I stopped allowing them to get dopamine from me. And then I started holding them accountable. Well, I'm depressed. Okay. Tell me about your day. What do you do? I wake up thin. I don't do that. I do this. So basically nothing. You wake up, you're in your fucking fat, sloppy, you know, uh, sweats that you've had for 20 years that have holes in them and you slop around the house. You fucking scroll, you finger fuck your iPhone for however long until you go pull up Pornhub and go in the bathroom and jack off with your sweats around your waist. And then you go back to playing fucking some stupid app on your on your phone or just looking at chicks because you're disabled, right? So you don't have anywhere to be. And that's your fucking life. And you wonder why you're depressed. So I just started calling men on it. I just started calling them out on it. And boy, the fucking hate started to roll. But you know what? The ones that go like what you said, Aaron, like, oh shit, that's, I thought that was just me. The ones that go, oh, damn, you're right. And they're like, I'm ready. I'm, I'm fed up. This, whatever this is, I don't like, and I want something different. I want something new. I want, I want to change. Well, then those are the guys that go, okay. And man, we have changed 
thousands of men's lives, both veterans and civilians, based off that. Because what happens now is men no longer hold men accountable. Yep. Because we're so afraid. But what what's so and, and and this is totally by design by our government by society. This is a this is a this is a plan, man. It's been a plan for yep. a long time. Yep. To decentralize men. You could not in the sixties with the way men were back in the sixties. All right, and I'm not talking about alcoholism and because you're gonna people are gonna pull up a million freaking problems. There's a million problems then. There's a million problems now. The difference it, was right. we didn't take shit. Men were united. There were men groups. There were men groups in churches. There were men groups outside of the church. There were men. There were men groups just in a community. If you lived in a community, men met. They went yeah. and had breakfast and coffee together. What is That's the situation true. in the area? You could not have pulled off the two, last two three years if men were like they were in the 60s. You're right. Well, I think that's what I was talking about when what the intent was when I said get back to yourself, right? Because we all had to go through that to get to where we got to in the military in the beginning, right? I think mm -hmm. we all found our community. We all had to hold ourselves responsible and each other's responsible. Yeah. And I think that's what happens is I, as you, you push out the other end of the military and you fall into a, all these traps that are out there, you lose that A, personal responsibility, and then that community around you. And, you know, uh, we've talked about it before. The reason we call this the team room is the team room is at a very uncomfortable place when you first go into it as a new guy, right? It's it's rough. But you after you a usually while, want to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> right. But like, right, by the it. time when you leave that team room for the last time, like it is, it's one of the saddest moments yeah, I've, that I've ever had, right? When I left yeah. the actual team room, because you come to rely on it. Like that's, that is your whole community. You know, like you guys have been through everything together. And so I think when you walk out the other side of that, and a lot of people have never experienced this in their lives is having that, that community of people, that community that values responsibility, that values outcomes and action over words and, and emojis and thoughts and prayers and all that other nonsense. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that's what we've lost over the years is like, we need to become, we need to become men of action. And, and I have a, I have a whole talk that I give on, you know, hard, easy over easy, hard. But um, if you, if, if you truly look at the most proudest moments in your life, Okay. Most proudest achievements of your life. And I've done this in a, in a group of a big room full of men. And I just said, Hey, raise your hands. I want to hear the biggest achievements that you've had in your life. All of them, all of them is something that they had to work very hard to achieve. Yep. Nobody said, Oh, I was sitting on the beach drinking a fucking Corona. I'm, I'm right. sitting back with my feet up at this location. It was I'm like, well, I did this. Yeah, like not, nothing like Who that. Who cares? It was like, I did this. I did an ultra marathon. Um, I did, you know, a Spartan race. I lost 100 pounds. I, I saved for 10 years and bought my family business. I, you know what I mean? Like there's always these different things. And there's, there's always this trend of some sort of extreme hard work. I ran a marathon, simple as that. You know, for people that are not running, like running a marathon for the average person is, that's, I don't know the percentage of how many people ran a, run a marathon, but it ain't, it ain't the majority. I'll tell you that. Right. It ain't a lot. You know what I mean? So like, if you look at the, your most, if you really, if everybody's listening and you think about the most, the most proudest achievements, like us passing selection, multiple times for some of us, uh, multiple selections, right? 
you know, passing pre-dive, passing dive school. Like the, the our biggest achievements that we have in our life all come from extremely uncomfortable hard things. So what happens is, what happened to me, I did all those hard things for 12 years. Well, my whole life was hard, but, you know, we didn't even get into that shit. But, um, you know, gangs and felonies and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, you, I get out of the military. My whole life has been one achievement of doing a hard thing over the other. And I thought that I could, what's the, how do you put it? Like live on your, on your laurels, whatever. Rest on your laurels. Rest on your laurels. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was like, well, I've done the hard things right now. I can now I've achieved this level that I can relax. No, man. Do do you know what drives me nuts is this is a side note, you know, like on Instagram, people are like posting these things where the stairs go up, like do the hard thing now because so that you can do the easy thing later and the stairs go down. I'm like, Hey, fun fact, the stairs never go down. The stairs never go down. (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes but like these people steeper. that are sitting on the stairs and people that are conditioned to walking upstairs so that they can hit them even harder later on. But like the stairs never go down, and if you're looking for the stairs that go down, like that's that's a bad road, that's, and that's not that's gonna lead to happiness. But the stairs, oh, they go the down. Stairs, it's called yeah, turning around six, and walking back down them. Right. The yeah. Stair, yeah. The stairs go down. It's called six feet until you rest in a box, <laughs> motherfucker. Like yeah. that's when the stairs go down. Sorry, that's been bothering me in my head for like weeks now. Yeah. Ever since I saw that picture, that's a good yeah, one. I like Nick, that. One of, yeah, one of the uh, man, one of the the best things that I think that you're doing is that you're man, you're you're totally right. And obviously, with all the head nodding that's going on in this podcast, I'm sure it'll make for a great <laughs> video between me and Trent. But the thing that I really wanted to talk to you about is, man, you are focusing all this energy and this righteous experience, and you're doing it right where we need to, which is the young men. You know, the young men that that go through your Agogi program, that go through the Squire mm-hmm. program. Man, nothing makes my heart happier than seeing you do what you're supposed to as a special operator, right? With all these wounds and all these these things behind you and your time of in and out of, you know, felonies. And that story is, you're right. We didn't even bother hitting it, but just the way that you found yourself with the Marines is ridiculous. But if you're not turning back around and reaching down and bringing those people up, bringing that next generation up, I, I think you're wrong. You know, there's very few right and wrongs in the, in the world, but you were specifically focusing on this next generation of men that I, I feel is lacking. I feel because they don't have those people that are willing. It's totally cool now just to be nihilistic and be like, yeah, I was in GWAT and I'm not going to, this is, this is dumb. Everything the young guys are doing is dumb and assessment selection is stupid. You guys are doing it wrong. It's so easy to be cynical and nihilistic. It's actually harder to be a mentor and a guide and a coach. How, how, it's, how do you live in that space, man? It's funny you say that because I, I think about what you just said and I could give two shits about any of that other stuff. Like I don't even, people hit me up about asking, asking about that. I'm like, I don't know. And I don't really care. I'm like, what are you doing? What time did you wake up? What time did you have? What did you have for breakfast? When did you go to bed? How many bottles of alcohol did you have? Let's talk about that motherfucker. Um, stop trying to trying to stop trying to jack off on my, you know, my war stories, weirdo. (laughs) Um, so (laughs) you know, you want to be successful. You learn this. And this was a, this was a big pivot. And when I, and when I learned this, a lot of things changed for me that it wasn't about me. It's not about me and my marriage. It's not about me with my kid. It's not about me and my business, even though like it looks from the outside, it looks like there's a lot about me, right? It's really not about me. It's about serving others and, and get, and helping other people to become the very best version of themselves. When you 
even for an individual, like say for you, Aaron, you got family, married kids and everything. Do yep. when you realize when you take, it's almost, uh, it's almost, it's like a weight off your shoulders. When you start realizing that everything that you do is not even for you, you being fit, you learning how to be a better leader, you being, you know, you being the very best version of yourself has jack and all shit to do with you. It's so that you can give your wife a better life, that you can serve her and love her more, so that you can be a better father to your kids. It has nothing to do with you. And that's on the micro level, right? Now you get on the macro level, it, 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 as men, as, as a community, it's not about us. It's about the next generation. And if we don't fucking do something, if we don't instill, because the, the opposition is doing something. You're damn right. So why do we have, why do we have, this goes back to what we were talking about before. Why are the all, every single branch now has like a pre, a pre to the pre because kids are so out of shape. Why? Because parents, men, fathers have allowed their sons to sit on their ass, eat fucking Doritos and drink Mountain Dew and play video games for a fucking decade or more. Playing military games to where now they want to go do the real thing but they're a hundred pounds overweight and they don't have the connective tissue to even do physical things. And when they do, they get hurt. Yep. That's right. They don't even have the concept of what hard work is. They don't even know what it is and why that it's beneficial to them. So if you guys and myself don't fucking do anything, you want to talk about being doomed. We're fucking doomed. Yep. So the reason, so I have twofold. So I have the go. So Josh Hansberger and I, my my, uh, he was a teammate on my last team. Um, went through a grueling parachute and in, in, uh, injury out at Ote Lakes, compound fracture of his femur and all kinds of other stuff. It's brutal. Um, fully recovered from that, but that unfortunately was his exit. Um, so years we always obviously did a bunch of stuff together, and over the years we came up with the agogi and the and the and the coaching program they do. So that really is focused at fathers and men getting them back. And we got a lot of veterans in there, a lot of law enforcement, a lot of vets that just kind of like we talked about, they just, you know, read the, read the, the script, the old bullshit script and fell into that trap. And now they, you know, and me calling them selfish and, and holding them accountable, got, you know, said, Hey, you know what? I, I can be better and I need to be better for my family. So that's the one fold. So that, and then the second thing is the Squire program that Bedros Koolian started and that we're bringing to North Carolina to instill morals and these values in these young men and teach them that doing the hard things, and this kind of goes back to what I thought earlier, that I could I could rest on my laurels. But resting your laurels just means that you're going to go down the road of depression and anxiety and you're going to feel like shit. All the comfort. It's a lie, ladies and gentlemen. Comfort is a lie. You want to be happy? Wake up fucking early. Go do some hard shit. Let's go. Be uncomfortable. For it, it sounds counterintuitive, but the most happiest people that I know have the most hardest, uncomfortable lives. <laughs> right? Yeah. And listen, no. I have to fabricate hard shit. Let's be real. Yeah. I make really good money now. All right. Over the past ten years, I've built my businesses up. We're managing seven-figure businesses. Like we're doing very well. I'm done very well for me. I'm very blessed. Okay. I'm very blessed, best person. You know what happens with that? I have a really nice house. I have really nice things. I have a nice $5,000 mattress. 
I have a cold pad on it that keeps it at a brisk 64 degrees while I okay, sleep. Th- that part I'm jealous of, actually. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, the sleep part of it. So yeah, always the mattress. Big, slight flex. So, so, you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, I live a soft life. So I have to fabricate hardship. Why? Because I don't get depressed. Ever. Yeah. I don't get anxious. Because I'm constantly taking action. I'm constantly doing hard things. And, and at this age, I'm still putting my body. I go this morning at 545 in the morning. I'm getting beat up by 15 guys in a jiu-jitsu gym. Nobody wants to wake up and get their ass kicked at 545 in the morning, especially nope. at our age. Nope. Well, yeah. guess what happens when you leave? Everybody leaves happy. Yeah. There's, there's no place better or uh, more positive in the world than a jujitsu mat after a hard one hour and a half of open mat. Like there is, there is, you got nothing left. You're just like, Hey man, you absolutely destroyed me. What just smoked. And you're just like, man, I got to get out of this. It's awesome. Awesome. Yep. And, uh, so, and so the whole comfort is a lie. Easy is a lie. So either you can do hard now and have easy later. Okay. Or you can take the easy route, which is wake up late, hit the snooze button. No, don't keep your promises to yourself. Give up on your dreams. What happens then? Oh, shit. Now I'm rushing. I'm late for work. I'm behind. I've got anxiety. I'm like, oh, shit. Now the hard comes. Same thing with weight. You take the easy road. You get comfortable. You put on weight. Guess what? It's going to be more expensive. And it's going to be more hard to lose that weight. Always go hard first. Always. Choose hard Man. every day. So. With the Squire program, we're teaching men, young men, 11 to 16, these values. To be, to be the knight. To be the white knight. To have yeah. morals. To treat women with respect. Show them what being a man is. What masculinity truly is. Not what the narrative is. What it really means. Why it's important to be jacked. Why it's important to, be, to make money and build wealth. Why it's important to, to be chivalrous and romantic. This is not the opposition is telling them opposite. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Man, you know what, Nick? We usually end by asking our guest advice. But since you just uh, do you just want to do this podcast from now on, because Trent and I are obviously <laughs> not the best. I know person. you got time on your hands, so. <laughs> 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 we're just going to bring it in. Like, congratulations. You have the host of ones ready now, man. Nick, where can everybody, where can everybody find you other than Nick which is your, your kind of your main page there. They can find you on Instagram at Nick Kulamatsos. Instagram. Um, are, yep. there, are there any other, uh, any other projects that you're working or anything else? Always, always forward podcast, uh, on every always single podcast, podcast player. My, my shorts that I do, I put on my, my YouTube channel, which is my name. And that's, okay. those are the one, those are the videos that I'm yelling at people. Um, nice, you know, calling them fat and whatever. Come, it's all <laughs> li- listen. It's all from love, though. You know what I mean? It, it does. It does. I say it because, and and this is another lesson, real quick. If you truly care about someone, you will tell them the truth. Yep. Right. If you truly care about them, you will. You will be. You will hold them accountable and be honest with them. If I don't care about, if you're getting fat or you're cheating on your wife and I don't care about you, I'm not going to say shit. I'm like, I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. But if you're a brother right. and I really care and like I care about you and your life, I'm going to be like, hey, man, what the hell are you doing? You're about to blow up your life, son. Yep. That's true. That's true love. 
And I think that that's, and, and, and so we, we mix the whole accountability thing up with like something else. Like, oh, it's not my space. Well, whose fucking space is it? If you care about them, then say it, call them accountable. And imagine applying that. Like I, I think of the military sense, like imagine watching one of your, like me as a PJ, right? Imagine watching somebody on my team get shot and me go, well, I mean, he made that choice. So it's not really my space to intervene because now he's in this situation. Like, holy shit, we, we, you would never think to let somebody down, but like somehow there's this weird line that's trying to be like, well, I mean, I know for a fact he's drinking every single night. He comes in hungover. It takes him three hours to get into the job because he's just ruining his life the slow way with alcohol. And you, you're like, well, but I mean, he shows up to work on time, so I guess I'm I won't know what think. I'm not the medic. It's not my job. Not yeah, my that's job. Just, Let that's him bleed just out. Steve. That's just Steve. That's just the way Steve is. You know? Yeah. Get Go out Steve. of here. I can't believe it. Man, exactly. Nick, thanks so much for coming on. I don't want to take up any more of your time. I, I appreciate it. We're going to hit a, we'll, we'll make sure to get the book on the reading list and everything. We'll get out there and, and, uh, and share stuff out. But man, from us and everybody that listens to us, thank you for what you're doing. It's righteous. Thanks for giving young men a purpose. Thanks for giving us a purpose. I learned from watching you and, and from following what you're doing. So, you know, from the bottom of our hearts and from the listeners that aren't really, uh, you know, that don't have any experience with you yet. And I'm so glad to, to get you out there in front of people because, because it's righteous. So appreciate Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for everything that you're doing. Everybody else, follow us on One's Ready. Follow Nick at nickkulamatsos.com and then on his IG at nickkulamatsos. Make sure to pick up that book, Excommunicated Warrior. Um, We'll get it down in the comment section. But for us and in the team room, that's going to do it for this one. Appreciate you all. Train hard. Later. Later.